Miles Coleman, end zone, touchdown. With that third quarter touchdown by running back Tevin Coleman, the Atlanta Falcons took a 28-3 lead in Super Bowl 41 on February 5th, 2017. The Falcons owner was in his luxury box dancing. Arthur Blank loving it, up by 25. Their opponents, the vaunted New England Patriots, by contrast, looked dumbfounded. And Robert Kraft, who has had an unprecedented run of success as owner of the New England Patriots, he has never experienced anything like this in a Super Bowl. No, he has not. The Pats are down 28-3 still, with two minutes left in the third quarter. It would be an unprecedented comeback if the Patriots climb out of this hole to win their fifth Super Bowl. Right now, it's Atlanta in charge. 16 minutes later, the game is tied. It started with a James White touchdown catch, then a Steven Goskowski field goal, then the Patriots' Dante Hightower sacked and forced to fumble out of Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan. Brady then threw a touchdown to Amendola, and James White scored the two-point conversion on a direct snap. That was followed by an absolutely huge sack from Trey Flowers, which took the Falcons out of field goal range. Brady drives the ball downfield again in two and a half minutes. James White scores the touchdown on a run, and Brady throws a two-point conversion to Amendola. Tied! We head to the first overtime game in Super Bowl history. The Patriots win the coin toss, and what happens on the Patriots' first drive? He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and decides whether they deserve induction into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, podcast Jordan Clarkson, the SoundCloud Otis Thorpe. Today's episode, that one makes me laugh, today's episode could be sponsored by Nerf Vortex Footballs. Nerf Vortex Footballs, throw them far and and listen to the whistle. Uh, Not my best impromptu ad, but listen, Nerf, get at me. There's no question 28-3 is an incredible sports moment, but is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? There's only one way to decide. We must go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories we use to decide on our moment's greatness. And here to do that with me today is a very special guest. He's someone I followed on social media for years just because I felt like it might make me cooler. He's one of the leading voices in the sneaker industry today. He's a popular and successful YouTuber with over 211 million views, and he's the host of Whistle Sports What's in the Box. It's Mr. Jacques Slay. Jacques, thank you so much for being wow. on the show. Wow, wow, clap for the uh, Clap for that introduction. That, that introduction <laughs> alone. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I'm Jacques Slade, and that'll be all today. Uh, for, uh, thank you for following him on social media. Uh, that, I, I, sorry to break it to you gives you no cool points um, I, would, I would have to be cool in order for that to make sense well that's what i'm saying is i don't think you understand where i'm starting from like i'm very low it's yeah we we have a long both have a very very long road to go we have a long road to travel Jacques, i'm so excited to have you on can i ask you a quick question before we sort of dive into our show and get started sure yeah let's do it Jacques slade is that your real government name so that's a very interesting question, and I'm yeah. glad you asked that question because I often get asked if Jacques Slade is my real name. Yeah. And here on this podcast, yes, yes, I'm going to let the world know that um, that's the name that my mama gave me. Wow. Uh, yeah. 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 What a name. It's, it's, I, I, I can take no credit for it. I it's mean, like, God damn, people your like, mom nailed it. Yeah, she nailed it. Everybody's like, oh, what a great name. That's an awesome name. And I'm just like, thank you. But I had nothing to do with it. Oh like I, I I did nothing to deserve it. I I didn't I didn't put a the hat in a, a name in a hat, nothing. 
it was as just I was, given to me. As I was preparing for today's show, I, I spent so much time thinking about where I would be in my life if my name were Jacques Slade. <laughs> Hopefully in a better place than I'm in. So that's... <laughs> no. That's, that's I'd be like... I felt like... I just want to run this past you. I thought I'd be like a private investigator or like a, mm. like a hired gun, like a hitman or something. I I thought oh. I for certain carry around like a Zippo lighter. I've never smoked a thing in my life, mm. but I'd be like I'd have like a Zippo lighter. I'd be like flink, you know, like like that yeah. flicking that open and closed a lot. Or or I'd have like a knife on me or like throwing knives. I'm not like a violent guy. I just think the point is is you can get away with a lot in life if your name is Jacques Slade. See, see what I got from that is that if your name was Jacques Slade, you'd be way cooler than I am. Is what I got. <laughs> that's okay. what I got from that. That's, that's what I got. That's what I got. Uh, Jacques, I've recorded a couple of these pods now, and I've noticed a trend as I'm preparing for them. And it's I find myself asking the guests a lot about their career and how they got there. Mm-hmm. I This show is about sports moments, and I'm obsessed with sports moments. But there are also moments in all of our lives that end up being big deals that help us get to where we're going. As I started to research you, and i got to admit... I thought of you as a sneaker guy. I sort of said this in the intro. I'm not a sneaker guy, but I always wanted to be a sneaker guy. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I surround myself in social media with sneaker guys, then I could be more like a sneaker guy. You are decidedly not just a sneaker guy. And I found that out as I was researching for this show. I can't wait to dive into your background, your history, your career. But first, let's set the table on Jacques Slate. Favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete? Uh, favorite sport basketball uh grew up loving it my older cousin played it and i basically worshipped him as a kid uh he was in high school we were all in like elementary he could dunk him and all of his friends could dunk and (laughs) we just thought that was the coolest thing in the world and so uh me and me and like all of i'm like the oldest of like the younger cousins right and so we all just like worshipped casey like he was like the basketball god him and his dunking it yeah, him and his oh. friends could do no wrong. They could call us all kind of names, and we'd sit there on the side of the elementary school and just watch them play basketball because we were just blown away. <laughs> I love and, it. And that's kind of where my love for basketball and really my love for sneakers kind of really started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Favorite team is the Lakers. Uh, I'm born and raised here in Los Angeles. Hey, hey now, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was born and raised in technically in Pacoima, California, uh, which is in the valley. Yes, yes. Sorry, yes. I'm, I'm showing. I'm, this is very irresponsible. We're recording a podcast. I'm showing Jacques my Magic Johnson mug that sits yes. on my desk, holds all my pens. All right, so I'm so sorry. Which is which is a country. which is a beautiful mug, by the Thank way. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. For the listeners that can't see it, uh, yes. I can explain it to you. It's a coffee cup. It's white, <laughs> <laughs> and it has a picture of Magic Johnson That's on right. it. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. so, for those that are listening. Um, and uh, I would probably say my favorite athlete. Um, there's a there's a couple. Honestly, it's like Magic. Obviously, just because growing up in in LA. Um, knowing how big of a role I he bet. had with the Lakers. I bet. Uh, there's Kobe, yeah. obviously, because of the big role that he had with the Lakers. Right. But then there's also guys uh, like like Michael Jordan that, you know, just have you just have to respect. Totally. Um, there's Shaquille O'Neal, obviously, just because you have to respect what he's done and all the things that he's doing. Um, and then there's I had this weird fascination as a kid with um, Charles Oakley. Of course you did. I don't I don't know why, but my my cousins and I we would pick certain players to play as while right. we were playing basketball. And you would and, pick Oak. and I would pick Charles Oakley and I would be playing defense and I would block shots and I'd scream out, Oak Tree! <laughs> Oak Tree. Um I don't I don't know why. Um wasn't like he was super popular here in LA, but he just happened to be one of the guys that I just resonated with as a kid. I may, I think he's got a real claim to being the baddest dude on the planet like charles oakley yeah. is a bad dude bad dude great yeah. pick um so hold on you i first off for the for the audience that's listening and and everyone that listens to this show or i guess i should say everyone that kind of knows me or follows me knows that i'm a super obnoxious lakers fan i did not know you were a lakers fan so i did yeah. not have nor i mean everybody that i'm having on early is like we're always talking about the lakers it doesn't matter what sport we end up talking about the lakers for a little bit my question here isn't about the Lakers. It's as we discuss what moment that you and I would be um, judging here, you mm-hmm. picked the 28-3 comeback by the 
New England Patriots. Why did you pick that moment? Just because it was, I mean, I think there's like incredible moments in sports and I'm, yeah. I'm super inspired by sports and it's kind of like, I try to use them as kind of like a mantra of like, get up and get shit done yes. and yep. press harder and yep. all, like all of those things. And so that's just one of those things of like, when you get to that point, and especially in businesses, because like by at that point, I had kind of had my own business going mm-hmm. and you have your ups and your downs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're down, you can be like, all right, well, it was a good run. Right. We tried our best, fellas. Right. Right. Everybody pack it up. We'll put That's together right. three month packages for you and you guys right. get out of here. I want you right. to get out of here before it gets too bad. And like that was one of those situations where they could have been like, well, yep. you know what? We shit the bed. That's it. Yep. <laughs> That's it, guys. But they fought and they came back and like that. That's just an inspire. That's movies. Like they they yeah, write that in the movies. You know what I mean? Like so you you don't see those moments very often, and to be able to see it on a stage that big, uh, you know, that's part. Of, I think that's part of it too. Like that's one. That's the biggest stage in sports. Like unless you're unless you're not American, like that's the biggest stage in sports. You know what yes. I mean? Yep. And to see that happen and it not have in in credits rolling after it, you're just like wow. Like how does that happen? I completely agree. There's something about performing in the moment when the lights are on. Yeah. I I, I don't care what the sport is. I don't care how insignificant the game might be or how significant the game might be. Watching someone perform with the lights on when you know they have to come up with it right here on this play, on this drive, in this possession, whatever the game is, there's something that, that I take from that and go, if I could just you, if I could use some of that in my own life, so that the next time the lights are on me and I have to perform and deliver, yes. can I find that? And yes. you, sir, have a moment just like that. I doing my research, I found out you were <laughs> let go by a company that you worked for, yes. and you did you you you've told the story that you got fired on Friday, and on Monday you started uploading to YouTube. Tell us about that moment for you. Yeah, so that I mean that, that I mean that pretty much described it. I was uh, working for a company, and there was a disagreement on who would go to be on ESPN mm. to talk about Michael Jordan. Mm. Um, I felt that I should be because they asked me to. My boss felt that he should because it was his company, right? Um, rightly so, rightly so. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I have no no hard feelings for him. And uh, as a result, I, I was let go of the company. And that next day. I, uh, well, that Monday, I uploaded a video on my own YouTube channel and started to grind it out from there. Look at you now. That's that's, yeah. And you probably look at this, and I've said this on a lot of episodes, but I mean it. You probably look at it as, well, I got to get up and make the donuts. Like, you go, I got to, you know, I got to cover this sneaker news today, and I got to do this, and I'm appearing on this show, and it's just work to you. But for me, from my perspective, I look at you and go, you are someone that broke free from the industry you were in and created your own. You built your yeah. own damn thing and you're doing it. I think it's super impressive and you should you should be recognized for it. Congratulations. Well, th- well, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I you know, I, I honestly don't know where I would be if I hadn't made that decision. Cause I mean, I could have went off and got another corporate job because I've worked right. in corporate America before. Right. And, you know, I just Something, something inside me was like, oh, let's let's Amazing. at least try it. I mean, I was doing you. it and still working like three different jobs at the same time, collecting unemployment. Like I was right. struggling for sure. It wasn't it wasn't an easy road, and I don't. If I made it seem that way, it's it wasn't at all. Uh, I was doing a bit of everything, and uh, it it just happened to work out, and I'm super thankful for that. It didn't just happen to work out. You've worked your ass off, as my uh, very yeah. strong guest. But congratulations, regardless. Thank uh, you, man. I now I know you as a sneakerhead, but in, yes. in doing this research, you've had this amazing career. I was blown away to learn about these things. You have been a rapper, a composer, yeah. an actor, a teacher, now a web entrepreneur and host. It's time for a new game on the show called True or False. Not okay, a very good, okay. not a very yeah. good title. For this. No, no, I think that's a, that's a perfect title. It's short, it's succinct, it gets right to the point. I think people understand what this game is about right away, right away. <laughs> yeah, it does. You don't have to think about it a lot. You know what's going It's True or False. It's a new game we're playing here on the show. Rob, play my True or False theme music. True or False. Here's the thing, Jacques. Uh, Rob is my editor. There is no true or false theme music, but I am curious Uh-oh. what he's going to do there because I've just called for it. <laughs> we'll Rob, see when the show comes out. <laughs> Rob, I want something with a D flat diminished, if you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Jacques, here we go. Music. Here we go. Music. Okay. Okay. Oh, very serious. Jacques, mm. true or false, you are completely and entirely responsible for Tyler, the creator's music career. <laughs> that is absolutely 100% uncategorically false. <laughs> oh, oh, but you did have something to do with it. I did. I did. I, I was. You his, played a small role, I should say. I did. I did. I played a very small role in his in his musical journey. Uh, I was his electronic music teacher when he was in 10th and 11th grade. So Amazing. Uh, yeah. I got to see early, early, early Tyler, the creator. Um, That's and, so cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it's like, I obviously, like, you don't know how popular or how famous someone is going to be. But even back then, like, you knew something was special about him. Yeah, like, they, the the newspaper came out and interviewed us because we were at a school for music. And like, I even mentioned it then, like, in my eyes, he, he just gave this like young Andre 3000, just how creative he was. And like, and like, I even, even in the paper, I called him like a young Andre 3000. Um, like I remember sessions of just him just meticulously going through music and finding exactly, (laughs) finding exactly what he wanted on the keyboard and finding the sounds. He literally had, uh, he had this notebook like similar to this Mm. and he, he really basically had a plan for what he wanted to do. So all of the things that you see him doing now with him producing himself and creating his own music, uh, the golf wang thing, um, his, his, um, the newspaper that he wanted to create, like all of those things were in like this notebook that he had back then in 10th and 11th grade. So it's, it's crazy to see how far he's come. We don't talk enough about this idea that, there are you meet some people in life and you just go this person's got it yeah and like we all feel it and like you just know well like we know and then that and then tyler goes off and becomes this incredibly influential and uh, celebrated and successful uh, yeah. musical artist and you're like yeah i mean he was great he was great when he was young and he, you're telling the story and i'm just like that's crazy like we don't talk about how we knew that you could feel it in the moment that's yeah. special and and he uh referenced you and shouted you out in his narduar interview and he said that you introduced him to things and that you were open to his crazy ideas yeah i'm not an educator i don't think anyone has ever thought of me as a teacher of anything at all ever but that must be a very powerful feeling to to go there are a lot of moments in life, I presume, for a Tyler the Creator where something could have gone left instead of right. And like in a football comeback, if if one mm-hmm. thing goes the other way, maybe your career and your life doesn't work out the way you want it to or the way it has. Yeah. To me, you must have played a very pivotal role. That must You must be proud of that. What does yeah. that feel like? I mean, I, I I treated those moments with like with all of the kids that were at that school, not right. just Tyler. Um with like seeing that like that passion and that creativity in them and mm-hmm. trying to cultivate that because that's right. not something that you know you don't often see that and so it, it it was for me it was the same as like my uncle was doing for me like the first time I got into the studio was because my uncle walked in the room on my cousins and I and saw us writing down the lyrics of song off of the radio so that we could rap them to each other right and so his he was like hey instead of writing down somebody else's words, why don't you guys write your own lyrics and I'll put you guys in the studio. Look at that. And so like those moments, like for someone to do that with me, for me, with those kids, it's the same thing. Yeah, that's a great idea. How are you thinking about that? How about you expand, make it, turn it into a bridge? Or why don't you cut off the rap right there? Or why don't you sequence this this way? It's just me not like building on what they already have and showing them the potential of the work that they're creating. So, I mean, I, I like, I, I tell people all that, like, I don't take any credit for what Tyler has right. done and what right. Tyler's success. Like that was something that was in him before I was even right. there. Right. I was just showing him some of the, some of the places to put his feet on his way, on his way up the stairs. You seem like a special guy. I'm, I'm so happy you're on the show. Uh, <laughs> Thank let's, you. let's get into our hall of fame credentials. I'll go through each category and explain them. I'll get your thoughts. I'll pitch you some of mine. Jacques Slater, are you ready? This is a serious thing, Jacques. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ser- I have my serious face on. I know the people can't see it, but I have my serious face on. I'd like you to be more serious. Could you make? Oh, could okay. you turn your face okay. even more serious? Sorry. Okay, sorry. More- I'd appreciate I just want you to know that this isn't a joke. This isn't like some goofy podcast that we release once a week. This is like a serious thing that people care about. Okay. Yeah, and they should. 
<laughs> the first credential that we have to dive into is our analytics. Those are our statistics. Uh, people love stats. They love to judge things by stats. Mm-hmm. Here are the stats behind this moment. 28 to 3. That's the first one. 3 to mm-hmm. 28. 28 to 3. That was the lead with almost two minutes left in the third quarter. So if anybody's like, oh, amazing second half comeback, it was really more of a fourth quarter comeback. 28 to 3. Yeah. I, can you even believe they were up 25 points and lost that game? Which is, which is, it's just like, what's the, like, what are you thinking as the team that's losing now? That oh like, you're, you're like, they're, they're coming back. Like, where does your, where does your arrogance stop? Right. You know what I mean? Cause like, right. you're like, oh, we're up, we're up 28 to three. Like, oh, these, these guys are cooked. They're cooked. <laughs> we, we, as, as the kids say, oh, we ate all three quarters. <laughs> we ate all three quarters. And then all of a sudden, the middle of the fourth quarter, you're like, wait, are you still right. like, wait a minute? Yes. Or, or are you like, nah, we still got it. We'll, still, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. That would be fascinating to ask each and every one of those guys. Like, when when was that oh shit moment? When did that hit you? It's right. truly amazing. The Patriots had seven possessions before the comeback, quote unquote, the comeback started. On those seven possessions, three of them were three and out. One of them was four plays and a fumble. One of them, they got the ball to midfield and then punted. And then one of them was the pick six for the Falcons. Seven possessions up until into the heart of the third quarter where they basically came up with nothing except for a field goal. The Falcons had, they, I realize this has been said, but the Falcons had them. Yes. Yeah. And you, like, again, it just goes to like having that resolve and that yes. wherewithal. Like, so NBA, NBA championship. Yep. You know, congratulations to not the Boston Celtics winning. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, that's a petty, petty Laker fan thing there. <laughs> uh, super petty Laker fan thing. Um, but last night they were interviewing interviewing uh, Andrew Wiggins. Right. And one thing he said was like, you know, we worked on stuff in August and September to get us ready right. for this moment. Right. And so, like, you have to think that they're somewhere in those huddles or – Somewhere somebody called in that player on that sideline. They were like, don't panic. We're, right. I, I know it doesn't right. look good, yes. but this is why we did X. This is right. why we worked on this drill. This is why we yeah. ran this play. These are those moments for that. And like that just like that just gives me energy. Like it makes me it makes the hair stand up on my arms. I can I couldn't agree with you more. Fantastic. Here's one last stat to discuss in our analytics credential. The largest comeback in Super Bowl history up until that moment was 10 points. <laughs> 10 and, points. And who came back from 10 points to win that Super Bowl? Tom Brady and the Patriots in Super Bowl 49 against the Seahawks. I mean, that's that makes me sick. <laughs> but I mean, it gives you it gives you perspective on Tom and the way he's thinking about the game. Right. He's like us normal folk uh that aren't married to a, a supermodel. Uh <laughs> you know, He's thinking, I'm okay. Right. I'm okay. I still right. have I still have the whole fourth quarter to go. <laughs> I still have an entire quarter of this game. In my in my no, I still have an entire fourth quarter. And imagine telling that to your defensive team, hey right. guys, we've got an entire fourth quarter. You yeah. just play your game, I'll play my game, right. and we'll And we'll get this done. Yeah, <laughs> and then be like, hey, because you've seen it before. You've yeah, seen me right. do this before. That's right. So there's no re- so hey you panicking hey put put take your panic hat off <laughs> Cal- calm down you've seen me do this before like that's amazing it really is the the comp- that sort of confidence I'll never know I'll never know that in my life it's really <laughs> amazing the next credential Jacques is our eye test what did you see in this moment what did you see in this second half what did you see at the end of this third quarter into the fourth quarter what did you see that makes this moment even more special. Can I pitch you my eye test? Yes. Oh, please. Please do. I don't know where I was when I watched this Super Bowl. I was probably some sort of super cool party with like a, like a lot of rich people who like I would, me. I would imagine. Like, yeah, yeah. I would imagine. No, wherever I was when I watched this, I, I saw this play, but I didn't really pay attention. Like I knew it was a great catch, but I didn't really examine it. Mm-hmm. I examined it to prepare for this episode, Mm-hmm. And what I, what I'm talking about is Edelman's catch. 
that mm. miraculous catch to me as I think about a moment that's bigger like this, like this spanned over, you know, the the time frame of, of an hour or so, this like comeback moment. As I think about a larger moment like this, to me, you have to have like a signature singular play that sticks out, stands out from the rest. Uh, and yeah, this yeah. one has that Edelman catch. When he catches that ball, it gets tipped by Robert Alford. We'll talk more about him in a minute. It gets mm -hmm. tipped by Robert Alford. It goes up in the air. Edelman dives under it and catches this ball. And what's crazy to me, and I did not see this prior to, as the, as the, as Edelman's trying to catch it, the ball's falling. It hits Alford's leg. And bounces back up. And I swear to God, watch this. If you haven't seen the clip, watch it on our Instagram at first ballot HOF. The ball bounces off the DB's like he's tipped it up in the air. The ball's floating. It's falling to the ground. Edelman goes to grab it. It hits his shin. It hits the DB shin offer. It bounces back up just like a quarter of an inch. And that's what helps Edelman get his hands under that ball. Wow. Wow. When I, you talk I about like a game of inches. It was li it literally felt to me like if that ball doesn't hit his leg, it is on the turf, and there's no way he can catch it except for trapping it, maybe getting the call on replay. But there's there's no way he gets his hand under it. It hit his leg. Wow. It's Just really that, fascinating to watch those few moments. Like yes, I mean that's less. That's probably less than a second that made the difference in that game. Completely. That's wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. Re I don't even. I don't even think I examined it that closely, but I, I, now I need to watch it. Yeah, that's it's, it's 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 amazing. Um, the next categories are ear tests. What did you hear in this moment that adds to that greatness? While we're here, if I may, can I play you what I heard that I think makes this special? Yes, it's the same moment. It's the same play. It's this Edelman catch. We're gonna segue right into this. Joe okay. Buck, who's not my favorite announcer, I think he's very good. Not my favorite announcer. Joe Buck, in the moment, this was his call of that play. Here's Edelman broken up, and the pass is no sign yet. Edelman comes down with a football, and they're saying it's a catch. Okay, so Joe Buck doesn't know if he's made the catch, and he's very wary about wading into making a call. They're, like, celebrating here, going, oh, my God, that's amazing. I yeah. think in theory because he's he's like probably worried about getting roasted. Like that's what the social yeah. media has done to us is he can't go, holy shit, look at that. I mean, he wouldn't swear, but he can't be like, oh, my God, look at what just happened because he doesn't want to get roasted. And I think it affected the live call, which I'm not in mm. love with. However, on the replay, here is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman reacting to the replay. Oh, that's a catch. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Now, I love that. That is very real, very authentic. Hearing Troy Aikman that, oh, my God, that is a very real yeah. gut reaction. And I, I, when I think about that play, I think about that replay. I think about hearing those two really react to that moment. And it's, it's what stays with me. It's what makes me love this Super Bowl even more because you heard those two guys in that moment giving it to you dead straight. Yeah, and that and that's and like I think again, that's the beauty of sports because that's what we're doing in the room. Like right. in the room, that's right. We're talking to each other like it is. Oh no, that's a catch. That's a catch. Yes, <laughs> like that's the energy that we're giving. Now they can't give us that full energy, but they can emote as much as they possibly can on that microphone. Like that's incredible. <laughs> like you see that, like because that's what we're doing in the room anyway. So it's Very great true. to hear that coming from them. Because that's that's the reality of it. That these those sports moments are are like the the special moments that you you don't usually see, and especially yeah. in this environment with this tension and this stage, these lights. It's like that that is special, and I think everybody recognized that in that moment. Even even the announcers who have to stay impartial. Right. Yes, but. There's some things you just like you just can't stay in, you can't stay impartial to. You have to acknowledge what you're seeing out there. Well said. Uh, and and let me let me dovetail that with the NFL and NFL films is so good about supporting their content. They're, they're so good about miking, about getting documentary footage, about get, getting all that great content that surrounds the game. Edelman is miked up. In the NFL films, released a video that sort of has Edelman reacting in the moment as he's diving for the ball. Listen to this. Oh, wow. I caught it. I caught it. I caught it. I mean, how yeah. incredible is that? 
Yeah. Imagine, imagine what you like you, <laughs> that being you, yes. like that being, that's, this is one of the things that I, I, I really don't appreciate. This is a small tangent here that I don't appreciate about golf. Um, right. <laughs> the, the lack of enthusiasm right, that you have for these to stay incredible reserved. moments right. that they have to stay reserved. Right. Yes. Um, like they'll hit this huge putt 30 feet, 30, 40, 50 feet away. Yeah. It's for a million and a half dollars and they'll give you a oh, fist pump. <laughs> and I'm like, my thought is golfers gives you a fist pump and then they're raging and doing coke that they night in the it. hotel. They, yeah. they got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to be craziness afterwards because there's no way they just go, oh, 100, $1.5 million. Uh, no, I'm uh, and I love golf. I, I, lo- I like. I'm working with the PGA Tour. Like I love, I love, I love the sport to death. But the fact that they don't celebrate, maybe it's my basketball roots. Like I want somebody like throw throw your putter at a fan. Like do something. <laughs> like I want to see, see something happen. <laughs> Jock, can I ask you a follow up on this golf stuff? Sure. Why do you like golf? Uh, because <laughs> it forces me. It forces me to do the same thing over and over again. I was tell- I was talking to my buddies about this because I've played all these other sports. Um, and I think what I've learned with all those other sports is to react and to move and to- everything's in the moment. Everything's mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. But golf is a game of discipline. So every layup in basketball is different. No matter if you're even in a layup line doing the same right. layup every right. Single layup is different. With golf, that movement is exactly the, the same. same. God, your that's hips, interesting. Your legs, your arms, yeah. the way your shoulders move, it has to be exactly the that's same. Interesting. Um, and every other sport you play, it's the opposite of that. It's I had opposite. never I had never considered that because I don't like golf and because <laughs> I'm cooler than playing golf. So so you have <laughs> You have made me realize that that's interesting, but I ultimately want you to know that I don't like golf and I'm cooler than playing golf. <laughs> the The last thing in the ear test, uh, another moment NFL films, hats off to you guys. Julian's mic'd in the replay as the refs are looking at this to be like, did this guy catch this goddamn thing? Julian Edelman starts talking to the Falcons players on the other side of the field. Listen to this. I caught it. Crazy, no I swear to God. No way, look at that. Watch. No, no. You mentioned earlier that that's what people that, that we're doing at home watching the game. That to me is a perfect example. That yeah. conversation that Julian's having with the, with the Falcons, that's the conversation I'm having and eating dip. Like I'm eating yeah. chips and dip and having that conversation, but he's doing it in this game, in this moment. Like it's the, one of the biggest moments in football history. And this guy's like having the same conversation I am, but I'm eating fucking, uh, you know, nacho dip. I can't believe it. You're, you you and me both. Like the pico de gallo is flowing. It's flowing yeah. right now. It's flowing in the moment. I'm yelling across the room, food in my mouth. That's a catch. That's a catch. And I, like, I'm not even a Patriots fan. I, I'm just invested in, like, I just love a good game. And I'm yelling, food in my mouth, spitting. As, an, as, a, uh, as a Falcons fan, I right. can understand. Or as a Falcons player, I can understand. Like, nah, it wasn't a catch. Yeah, right. It wasn't a catch. Because you have to deny yeah, totally, it. Totally. Yeah. As, as a Lakers fan, I've denied so many things 100%. that I clearly knew. Yes. That I clearly knew <laughs> right. were a foul. But I – what? Who? Foul? No, that's that's great defense. Yes. That is what you call good defense. You guys are just soft. So, I get it. I get it. Jacques, your music career. You were a rapper. Tell me about yeah. your music career. Tell me how you got into rap. I mean, you told me how you got into rap through your uncle. But t- tell me about becoming a rapper. Tell me about recording. You tell me about shows. Tell me about your rap career. What did you do? Oh man, so my I, my rap career was amazing. Uh, I, I didn't sell very well. I probably sold like a thousand records, but that's not <laughs> the point. Uh, it's like one of the first real creative things that that I was able to do uh, outside of, you know, playing basketball, like in the creativity that's kind of involved in that. But music was like the first time um, I could see people react to something that I created outside of, you know, making a three-pointer or doing, you know, like a nice layup or something. And uh, it was just exciting. It was an exciting, exciting time. I was in college. Uh, I maxed out my first credit card buying studio equipment Amazing. in my dorm room. 
You know, I've oh, got that, that Wells Fargo visa for a bag <laughs> of Skittles. You know what I mean? Just just like they offered me a bag of Skittles and, and, and you know, bad credit for 15 years of my life. And I was all for it. <laughs> you know I mean? So bought that. And then we started performing. Me and my buddies started performing on campus and doing shows on campus. And I mean, it could have stopped there and I would have been fine. Just right. the, you know, being able to perform in front of my friends and seeing people react and clap and sing and dance and all of that was great. Um, but things just kind of grew from there. Started doing shows here on the West Coast, uh, did an album. Some stuff got picked up for TV and film. Yeah. Uh, got to go on set and coach a couple of actors. I got to be in a movie, got to be on a TV show. Um, so I, you know, I have no complaints about the, 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 the accomplishments I made in my music career. It's funny. One of my, one of my buddies, it's funny enough is like, like more people have probably heard your music than hear some of the rappers that are out like making music because it's been on TV and film right. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's a weird thing to think about, but you know, it's a, it's a blessing. I, I don't mean to be so corny and to have my question reflect the sports moment that we're talking about, but you earlier were talking about. Tom Brady, the Patriots, having the opportunity to be like, well, that's it. This is a wrap. Like, we should pack it up. And they went, no, let's go the opposite way. Let me find the intestinal fortitude to take that next step and just take yeah. it one step at a time. You reached a point in your career where you were able to parlay this into music for television. To me, yeah. that's a pretty good comparison. Maybe your music career, you make the album, it doesn't sell as well as you want. You could have packed it right up, but you didn't. You parlayed it into a television career, which I think is fascinating. You had music on The Good Wife with Juliana Mark. We like to mention her anytime we can on the pod. We had music on Bones, on Burn Notice. You composed, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, you composed the Brooklyn 99 theme song? Uh, I was I was one of the composers. That's there was, amazing. There was there was three of us. We we put together uh, for for that song. So yeah, not just me. I, I, but I was one of the, I was one of the composers. Yeah, that's amazing. You were a little you were a little nutsack in the dude. I was little nutsack, little nutsack. <laughs> But no, I mean, I mean, we're, we're, it's like, you know, I'm, we're using, I'm using funny examples, but you were able to take this thing and again, and maybe it doesn't sell the way you want, but you were still able to parlay it into something that made you money, that got you some work, that took you, that made that help you make that next step. I think that's really admirable that you were able to parlay that. That's really, um, Thank you, man. Fascinating to me. We'll dive back into our moment. The next credential is our MVP. What's the most valuable part of this comeback? Do you have a part, Jockslate? Do you have a part of this comeback? Was there a singular play? Was there something that you go, that's it? That's the high watermark of this comeback. That's the thing that makes this thing extra special. Two-point conversion. Like that, that's the most valuable moment. Um, Because that's like, you can go, you can fight, 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 fight. Again, resulting this to life moments you know you see that where you you fight 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 and then you give up right and the and the thing could have been right over that next hill like you've climbed 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 and then you're like ah all right you know what this is this is too too big of a hill to climb yep i'm good but like so like for me that moment it has to be that moment when you make that final push to get over over top of the hill it's it's there and there are there were there were so many individual plays that if it goes right or left maybe the patriots don't win the, this game there was there was the two-point conversion that tied the game and sent it to overtime there's also the two the two-point conversion that happened before that the direct snap two-point conversion it was 18 to 28 like you don't get that two-point conversion you're not within a single score to win this game they it's just like it's crazy like and i respect your answer i respect your answer of this that that pick play two-point conversion to tie the game but the two-point conversion before you're we're not even talking about the second two-point conversion if you don't have the first it's akin to me to like for me how can Empire Strikes Back be better than Star Wars when Empire Back Strikes Back doesn't exist without Star Wars? There are just so many moments in that. Those two-point conversions are crazy. I'd also like to pitch you one other. This is my answer. This is my answer. This is my submission for the okay. most valuable part. Here it is. Let's listen to it together. This is heads. This is tails. New England gets to call the toss. Heads. They have called heads. It is heads. New England has won the toss. The coin, New England wins the coin flip in overtime. They get the ball first. They go down and score. I, I don't want to say the, ga- the game was decidedly not decided by the coin flip. 
But I am shocked that the NFL still does the coin flip and has it matter in such a meaningful way. Yeah, because that's that's such a tough way to lose. Um, the other argument is, you know, the game is tied. Got to got to decide it some way, right? You know, and so like I, I'm not. I'm 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 both sizing the rule, I guess, right. <laughs> just because there there's you know there's there's an argument for like hey we won the coin toss it's, it's it's random like we tied like there's a coin toss at the beginning of the game it's random too right and if we score back and forth you get it we get it we get it we get it you know whoever scores last right. we, you know they end up winning so uh, I'm not opposed to it but I get I get the argument from the other side mostly from people that lo- that lost to the to the overtime rule I'm sure that they're the ones that are most angry but for sure <laughs> the next credential jock it's our test of time this is when we compare this moment against other moments like it in sports history there's a lot of comebacks in, in various games i think it's got to be at the super bowl level for us to really compare it against and mm. for that reason i think you got to go right to super bowl 49 we mentioned it earlier the 10 point comeback you know to me that malcolm butler interception at the goal line them not handing the ball to marshawn Great game, a great, incredible moment that almost certainly I'll have a podcast on that moment as well. I don't understand why they didn't give the ball to Marshawn. Sorry, no, I mean, I should, listen, sorry. nobody gets it. Nobody gets it. <laughs> but the fact that we're ha- that we know that that we're having that conversation. Listen, when we're deciding whether this moment twenty eight three, when we're deciding if this makes the first belt Hall of Fame, and you can compare it against another Patriots Super Bowl win. Yeah, and, and have a legitimate conversation about I don't know maybe maybe forty nine is better than fifty one. Can, can I put in fifty one if I'm already debating whether forty nine might be better? You have to go with more points. You have to go with more points. Being God. down, so yeah, you got to go with it. Like you can't forty nine. That's like, fair. And this is and this is a you know what a what a what a hill to die on for Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> I I don't know it was 49 better or 51. I don't know. I don't know which one which one of my comebacks was better. Um, but at this you you have to I mean I think everyone has to go with 51. Everyone has to see 51 as the as the as the gold as the gold standard. The next credential it's devil's advocate. This is when I try to poke a hole in this moment cuz I take okay. this seriously. I want everyone to know I take this seriously. I've had my serious face on the whole time. <laughs> is is this is this Super Bowl victory more of a Patriots win or a Falcons collapse? Oh, that's like if that. it's a Falcons collapse, maybe that keeps it out of the Hall of Fame. Listen, we got to be serious here. Yeah, so that's that's a great question, and it's something that. I feel like the 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 Falcons defense talks about a lot, like right. all those guys. Like, right. was was this yes. us? Right? Did we? Right? Did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> oh man! Um, and that's that's a tough one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, because I you know what? Actually, no, no, maybe a little bit. Oh my! Because God, this is fascinating. Here, the reason I say that, reason I say that, is because you are playing. With a false sense of security when you're up 28 to 3. Right. You you see it all the time. Teams that can clearly beat another team. You see it in high school basketball. You see it in college basketball. These teams that are number one, they're right. playing the number 28 team. Right. It right. should be a walk in the park. Right. And they end up losing That's right. those games. Or, or it's really close. A really close game when there's no way it should be. Yeah. So... I'm not gonna say it's completely the Falcons' fault, but I'm gonna I, like if we're making if we're making a, a potion here, right, right. like there's there's one part Falcons and yes. one part Patriots in this Ugh. in this potion here. Because we're really raising the tension on whether this is gonna make the first Bell Hall of Fame. I just want everybody listening to know and future guests as you're coming on. I'm not just going to allow your moments in on this. And that includes you, Jock. I'm not and just going to promise your your moments entry into this. I'm going to be difficult. I'm going to start mm-hmm. coming for your moments. Yeah, and and you and you know what you should you should poke holes you should poke holes because this this the love potion number nine like right. it's not just love in there there's a little bit of everything in there I appreciate that <laughs> let's do a little bit of sneaker talk okay let's do it now again I'm not a sneaker guy but I want to be a sneaker guy so I'm gonna like play the part here for a second my first question this is a real earnest question for me 
Why have sneaker companies created this secondary resale market? Why, if I want to give Nike money for a pair of their shoes, why can't I just do that? Uh, Because the reason you want those shoes is because you can't have those shoes. God bless it. They, they They are following the marketing 101 plan to a T. Uh, th- and to be fair, the secondary market has been here for a while. Yeah, it's just more popular now. Right, it's always right. been around. There's right. always been a secondary market for sneakers. Got it. It's just now it's been you know entrepreneurified. If right. that's a word, they, they, <laughs> sure. The the Gary fee the Gary Vification of sneakers has <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, and and so everyone's trying to do it now, and everyone feels like they can make a buck in it. And so it's always been there. It's just that we all know about it now because so many people are into right. sneakers right. now, and so it's become more of a public discourse and a thing that everybody hates. Uh, one thing's for certain is that I don't run a billion dollar sneaker company. So what the fuck do I know? Uh, truly, uh, almost nothing. If 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 that's the case, uh, neither of us do. So let's <laughs> no. let's make that clear. No, make sure do. the audience understands. <laughs> My next question: What happened to leather shoes? That is the luxury and the decadence that I grew up with and that I'm used to. Now it's like f- fly wire bullshit. Yeah. It's like 3D printed. I'm like, what is this? I want leather shoes. What happened to leather shoes? Why are there well, no leather shoes? Well, first of all, it's these fascist vegan. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no. Um, I think part of it is environmental. Like they're trying to take right. better care of the environment and, 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 um, and also like animals, like being, being kinder to animals. And a, a lot of times the new materials that they're coming up with, they're more durable. They last right. longer. Right. They have more of a performance benefit. Um, okay. Can so I talk to you about performance sneakers? Yeah. Yes. Please I do. don't get it. Why? I mean, why? I, who's buying sneakers for performance? Well, I mean, a lot of these these athletes, these high school athletes, these college athletes, they're buying they're buying that stuff to play in. And look, they have to they have to give you a reason to charge you two hundred dollars for the sneaker. And so they're going to try to innovate as much right. as they possibly All can. Right. Listen, I want to talk to the to the high school student that bought the performance sneakers for it to matter in his high school game. His name is Luke. I know his fucking name is Luke. Listen to me, Luke. I'm sorry, but it doesn't make a difference to your game. Let's for a moment pretend that it does, your performance sneaker. Let's pretend for a second that you got a step on your defender, you beat him to the basket, you got an and one that really sealed the game. Nobody cares, dude. You're at, like, Clay High School. Like, it doesn't matter. You're at the YMCA. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. I don't get it. Keep your performance sneakers. Give me leather. Look, we all start somewhere. We gotta have the, <laughs> their, their Hall of Fame moment might be that and one. That right. might be their own personal Hall of Fame moment. Right. That's the one that they're gonna tell their wife every time they go to a game, they go watch a professional game, they can look at their wife and be like, you know what? When I was in high school, <laughs> that guy Roger Smith, I gave him the business. <laughs> Had on my new Reeboks, got right by. I mean, walked by. It was a cakewalk, baby. You should have seen me. You should have seen me. There, you know that you got to live those moments down, and those are all there for them. Uh, I want you to know, Jacques. I had a pair of Reeboks in school that had a switch on the back, so you could pump. It were Reebok pumps, and there was a oh, the switch pumps. on the back. The, on the there was like a little nodule thing on the back of the sneakers, and you could flip the switch one side or the other, and it would either pump air into the ankle piece or into the sole. Wow, I don't. Do you remember these? I don't remember those. I remember the pumps, but I don't remember the the switch. It was a, there was a switch. I'm, I'm so excited to be sharing some sort of sneaker thing with you. I, I don't remember what they were called. As God is my witness, these existed, and I got them. I used like all of my newspaper route money on it. And I bought those sneakers and they were cumbersome and very heavy and didn't, you know, they didn't matter to my basketball career in the least, but they did have that switch. And like for a while, for like a good eight months, I was walking around school talking big shit about the switch on the back of my shoe. Mm -hmm. And I I would expect nothing less. (laughs) I would expect absolutely nothing less. Jacques, for sneakerheads, it seems like you have the dream job. What are the pitfalls? If everything becomes work to someone, 
So what has become work to you? I don't want you to complain about your job. Everyone knows you've got a great job. You've got a great career. But what is it when you when you have a career like yours? What is it that becomes like challenging? Uh, I think it's not the job that's challenging. It's I think the challenging part is that I work from home. Mm. So it's hard good to answer. separate. It's hard to separate work from home time. Right. Like I have everything enclosed in the loft and like this the this loft that I've turned into a studio and I can close that door and go outside. But my laptop, I get a text like, oh, did you can you send over those photos or can you record this really quick? It's not like Oh, bro, like I, I'd have to get in the car, right. go to the office. I got to get dressed. Yeah. Now it's like, excuse. yeah, now it's like I got to walk 20 feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a little it's a little easier for me to uh, to monopolize my time with work as opposed to fam- with family. Rapid fire questions. These are rapid fire sneaker questions. You got to answer them okay. fast. There's like a timer here. It's not really. But okay. Let's pretend there's a timer. Okay. Timer. Here timer. we go. Which which basketball shoes, which shoes look best on court? Which basketball shoes are the best on court? I'm going to say the Air Jordan 11. Great. Great answer. Uh, who are the sneaker folks you look up to? I think of you as the sneaker guy that I go, I got to follow this guy. I got to go see what Jacques Slade uh, uh, has to say about these sneakers, this new release. Who are the people you listen to? Uh, the people that I look to, uh, Gary Warnett, rest in peace, uh, DJ Clark Kent, mm. uh, Russ Bankston, yes. uh, Gerald Flores, Brendan Dunn, uh, Nick DePaula, uh, these guys are just, just like incredible writers, incredible people in the sneaker space. Yeah, those those are like the the goats for me. Those are guys that I look up to. Great answer. What is your second favorite shoe? You're not allowed to say your favorite. My second favorite shoe is the Air Jordan Three Black Cement. What what do you do with all of your shoes? I see a bunch stacked behind you. You must get shoes all the time. What do you do with all of them? Um, a lot of them I donate to my church or to the local Goodwill, uh, but I've also been working with LA Family Housing, who provide um, oh, look at transition you. for the homeless. Look at so you! I've given, I've given them a lot of shoes, and I just did a thing with eBay where I sold off like three to four hundred shoes, and all the money went to LA Family Housing and oh shoes. Oh my that god! Thing. What a nice guy! I would have—they'd be in my basement, and I'd be like, "Don't go down there. <laughs> Those are my shoes. <laughs> Don't go to the basement." Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What's been the high moment for your career so far? The high moment for my career right now, uh, I think there's two moments. Uh, one, Jeff Goldblum coming to my house to record. Oh my God, the best. To record, yeah, yeah. To record an episode for his show, which was absolutely amazing. I, I absolutely love that guy. Um, and then the second high moment, I would have to say, was um, being on Jeopardy. Yes, you were just on Jeopardy. That experience must have been electric. Tell me about seeing that question pop up on Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had, I mean, they they wanted to do a sneaker category, and I didn't know how they were going to do it. And uh, they came out, they filmed me. I submitted a bunch oh of answers yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah. They had their researchers go over them, um, send them back, and phrase them in the way that they needed to be phrased for the show. Uh, we recorded it. We recorded it like six months ago. So I've been holding this for like six months. It's like dying inside. Yeah. Like, oh my God. So every time I talk to somebody, it's like, like that's a, that's a, that's a feather in the cap. You know what right. I mean? It's like one of those bragging moments. Like, oh yeah, I was a, I was a category in Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, but you know, you just hold on to it. And then I didn't know they were going to actually use my name. Right. Uh, and Ugh. that's, that's the thing that really yeah. got me. Cause I thought it was just going to be like the sneakers category, right. yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. sneakers with Jacques Slade, and Amazing. I was just like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, so that, those are those are probably Jeff Goldblum and 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 sneakers. Ha- ending up on Jeopardy because of sneakers. That's an amazing answer. Amazing uh, moments. Two fine answers. Can I give you my thoughts on counterfeit sneakers before we get back into the show? Oh, yeah, please. Okay. I love oh, this. I now, am this, very, I am very pro counterfeit sneakers. Okay, now listen to me. Okay. I would a hundred, I would buy them. Uh-huh. I would spend up to retail on them. I'm not okay. certain that that's what's happening. My guess is people are making fake shoes and then charging hundreds of dollars for them. I what I'm saying is is I've never been able to get those Travis Scott lows, those like the low brown ones. I don't know anything about. I just mm-hmm. know they're brown. And then mm-hmm. low and KD wears them all, and they got the pink laces. I love those shoes. Yes, I cannot get them, or I don't have the money to get them. To be exact, okay. if someone made sneakers that looked a lot like those. 
I'd give a fair amount of money. I don't even care that they're fake. I don't care. I'd, I'd think it were kind of, I'd, they'd be like a conversation piece. I'd be like, how great are these sneakers? And they'd be like, oh, the, oh you got the low. And i go, here's the thing. They're fake. Like, I mm. think that would make it interesting. I'm yeah. pros fake sneakers. If someone makes fake Travis Scott brown lows or whatever the hell you call them, I'll buy them. Okay. Okay. So my counter argument here. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't want to say counter argument. There's two schools of thought here. Yeah. Okay, um, think of it this way. We're Lakers fans, right? Yes. And we bleed Lakers. Hell yeah. Right. So we're not going to go to a Clipper game. Why? Oh, my right? God. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. My, wor- <laughs> my world is just spinning. Uh, oh, my God. I, my world is spinning. What an argument. <laughs> Like, are you going to go to, a, are you a Clipper fan now? Is that you going to go to a Clipper fan and say you went to, because you went to Staples? Unbelievable. You cut me right to the bone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but the second part of that, though, is I hear you and I understand. I wore fake sneakers as a kid. Yeah. Uh, so I have no, I have no qualms with it. Right. If that's, if that's, that's your, if that was get your boats floating, let your boat float. I don't, I honestly don't care. Um, unless they're obviously fake, because then, um, but I, but I want you to know that they're obviously right. fake. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I don't want you to know, but because like on one part it's like that's none of my goddamn business. Right. Like right. I don't know how much right. money you have. This right. may be all that you can afford. Right. Yes. And you want to fit into the cool crowd, which is yeah. what I wanted it to be. I wanted yes. to be the cool kid at my Me high school too. that had all the fancy kids. But my mom, we didn't have that kind of money. We right. were on welfare. We weren't we weren't spending that kind of money on shoes and we were ever ever going to spend that kind of money on shoes. <laughs> so I so I get it from that perspective. Um but I guess like just don't Yeah, you know what? I have no qualms about it. If that's what you want to do, all right. Do it. You know, just just be careful. You're not, you know, financing a a drug mafia oh, in Cambodia. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> You know what? You're, that's a that's a great point. I really wanted, I really wanted counterfeit uh, staple pigeons, but you're right. Maybe that money is being funneled into some sort of uh, terror cell, and I shouldn't be. Uh, I shouldn't be doing that. That's a lot yeah, to think ig- about. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> ignorance is bliss, and just don't go to a Clipper game. I mean, what? The, the next credential is our X factor. We're in the home stretch here. The X factor. What is the X factor in here? Is there something that makes this moment extra special that gives it a chance of making the first ballot Hall of Fame? Is there anything else you'd like to reference? Yeah, I think the the last thing I'd like to reference is the fact that even though most people won't say it, they're not willing to admit to it. They all wanted to see Tom lose. Yes, a hundred percent. They all wanted to see. Not they didn't even <laughs> want it. It had nothing to do with the Patriots. Right. They wanted yes. to see Tom lose. They didn't want to see the Patriots lose. You're exactly. They right. were. They were in their feelings. They were being yes. emotionally manipulative oh. all over the internet, and Tom did what Tom does. A great answer. There is an emotional component to this game that's important to bring up. I'd like to pitch you one before I get to mine. The the one that I'm just throwing this out there, arguably the most underrated play of Tom Brady's career, a 15-yard run on third and eight to set up the Patriots' first touchdown in a comeback Super Bowl win. It's the only rushing play of the game from him. Third and eight, if they end up punting this ball, they don't score their first touchdown. I believe the game's over. Yeah. He runs for 15 yards. That's a great play. It's a great moment within this comeback that a lot of people don't think about. And you wouldn't really because it's just a quarterback running for a first down. And you don't think much of it. But now yep. in retrospect, you go, oh, my God, if he doesn't do this, the whole thing doesn't happen. The, the, one, the moment my X factor is Robert Alford. Robert Alford is the, I mentioned him earlier, he's the DB for the Falcons that intercepts Brady for the pick six, takes it all the way back to the house. Tom Brady dies for him, misses the feet. There's this, that great image of Tom Brady like laying on the ground and Alford 20 yards ahead of him. Alford hot dogs it, slows down before the end zone to really soak in this touchdown. It puts up the Falcons 21-0. Robert Alford is at halftime probably thinking he's going to be the Super Bowl MVP. Malcolm Butler told Arizona 
uh, sports. Malcolm Butler, who played for the Patriots at the time, ended up becoming teammates with Robert Alford at the uh, for the Cardinals. Told the Arizona Sports, "quote He talking about Robert. He told me at halftime they were in there dancing and hooraying." Unquote. He said that he was going to pop a bottle. Alford and the Falcons almost certainly thought they were going to win the title at halftime. Yeah. Alford yeah. probably certainly thought he was going to be the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. He had 11 tackles that game, led the team, nine solo tackles. Robert Alford t- is the guy that tips the ball that Edelman ends up catching. If, if, if Alford catches that second interception, he is a Super Bowl MVP. He's got a Chevy commercial, and it's just gravy for the rest of his life. He's never forgotten. But he tipped that ball, and Edelman caught it, and now that pick six is is laughed at. It's like the moment where you're like, oh, the Falcons thought they had it. He went from... I'm going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to be driving a Chevy, and and I'm, it's just gravy. It's just peaches and cream for the rest of my life to basically being a kind of a footnote. Like, does anyone know the name Robert Alford? No disrespect to the guy. Yeah. A great career, great Super Bowl, an amazing Super Bowl performance. But n- tipping that ball and Edelman catching it relegated him to being a footnote in this game. That wow. swing is, like, to me, the pure definition of, like, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat to go yeah. from one end of the spectrum to the other. That's my X factor. That's, and that's, that was beautifully put. Thank beautifully you. put. I Thank love you. that. That, cause you like think how hard he played. Yes. And all with almost nothing to show for it. <laughs> that's devastating. Uh, but this also goes to how we always celebrate heroes, and it's more of a reflection of us as a society and the True. things that we need to really more appreciate hey, those that are really working hard and not just ourselves hey, and those that win. But, you know, that's something hey, different. Hey, <laughs> don't make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> the next category, the next credential is our cosign. Jacques, the question is to you, does 28 to 3, does the Falcons collapse? Does the Patriots amazing historical comeback in Super Bowl 51 belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why the floor is yours. Well, ladies and gentlemen, first I want to say uh, thank you all for coming today. I I, I appreciate (laughs) you all uh, coming to listen. Um, This, as a a first ballot Hall of Fame uh, moment inductee, um, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate all the others that were nominated and I'm happy that I'm here today. when it comes to this moment, I think there are so many different things that we can look at. But I think the main thing we need to look at is Tom Brady. Right. Um, not physically, because we don't, <laughs> we, he's, he's taken and that there's a very thin line there. Yeah. But I think we look at his resolve. We, we look at the way that he takes the negative energy yep. that we put out into That's the right. world yep. about him. Yep. The things we say about him, the doubt we put on him, the 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 lack of respect that we have for his abilities, how he gathers those all up and puts them into those nasty ass shakes that he eats in the morning. <laughs> and it just fuels him to a point where he comes out ready to destroy. Yeah. Even when he's down, he thinks back to that Thursday shake when Stephen A. Smith was on ESPN <laughs> or on first take talking reckless. And he just sprinkles a little bit into that green sort of beige tan colored shake that he drinks and just gobbles it right on up and uses it as fuel for his body to come back from 28 to 3. And if that, ladies and gentlemen, isn't good enough to gain your vote today, I don't know how this organization could exist. Thank you. Thank you. I look Great forward answer. to your votes. Oh my gosh. Jacques Slade, everybody, at the cosign. It is time now for the induction speech. That's when I, Neil, the host of this show, get to decide whether this... Mo- I'm going to take into account what you've just said. Okay, thank you. Thank but you. I need to have the ultimate say here. 
Yeah, it's 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 your organization. <laughs> it's for all I, of its love... greatness and all of its faults. <laughs> faults. It's your organization. <laughs> I love you referring to this as an organization. I'm 100 percent going to steal that. All right, here here we go. Here's the induction speech. I think what endures about this moment is the Falcons' collapse. That's what people talk about. Mm. Those are the jokes. They talk about 28-3. The title of this is 28-3 because we talk about the blown lead. Also, on the other side of the field, this wasn't the Patriots' first or second Super Bowl title. This wasn't a struggling franchise. Maybe if this happens to the Cleveland Browns, it's a no-brainer, but this is the Patriots. Mm. Mm. All that said... Jacques, I have to agree with you. Tom Brady is the greatest football player who's ever played the game. It's not up for debate. And this is very likely the best moment of his career for that reason and that reason alone. Welcome to the First Hall of Fame. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate it. I I appreciate it. Uh, I knew... I knew this was going to be a moment. Um, I knew I knew it was special when uh, when it happened, and I'm just happy to see the acknowledgement right. by the larger community and and more specifically this organization um, taking my thoughts into account and welcoming this moment into the Hall of Fame. It is it is special, uh, not just for me, but for everyone that watched and for for everyone winning or losing. Um, this is a special moment, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Jacques, thank you so much for doing the show. I think it was a terrible decision that you made to do it, but I do appreciate <laughs> you doing it. What can we? What can you plug? How can people follow you? Plug yourself. Uh, I don't. Uh, there's nothing to plug. Uh, I'm on the internet, people. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on the internet. Uh, my name is Jacques Slade. Uh, my internet handle is K U S T O O, which is Cousteau. Because I thought it was cool to smell it with two O's when I was in high school. Uh, I know it says Cousteau if you really look at it, but it's Cousteau for the lack of argument, for the lack of a better argument. And I'm all over the place: Twitter, Instagram, Bumber, uh, Farmers Love, um, a- Age Love, what, whatever, any place that that has an internet handle, I'm there under Jacques Slade under Cousteau. Uh, find me there. I make stuff about sneakers and more importantly, golf. So if that's something that you're into, come by for some hot takes. Let me plug something for you. What's in the box? I really enjoy what's in the box. Your first two episode, Cole Anthony and Gil Gil Arenas. I I find both of them to be very interesting and very delightful watches for different reasons. Gil, super funny, tells the Hibachi story. Great, great. You present him with three great things. You got to watch the show and check it out. And then Cole Anthony is just super charisma, a lot of fun to watch. I really enjoy what you're doing with that so far. Thank you, thank you. Cole Anthony's a great interview, and the next the next couple of guests we got coming up are really good too. Uh, so I'm looking forward to to seeing how how the world how the world receives it because uh, there's some funny moments and some heartfelt moments as well, which is what I, what I really love about the show. Support Jock Slade. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for doing the show, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad I was able to make it into the Hall of Fame. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to Mr. Jock Slade. Hope you enjoyed his interview. I certainly did. First Out is edited by Robbie Bobby Arucci. It's produced by Jessica Sang, and all of the music is made by my main man, Rhythm J. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. Thanks for listening to First Ballot. If you enjoyed the show, it would be very much appreciated if you rated and reviewed it. Thanks again kindly for listening. Come back next week for more First Ballot. I got it! I caught it! I caught it!